Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No him. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update uh, on social media. Thanks for joining us. I'm glad to be with you this week. A lot going on. Big impeachment fight. We've got a big Supreme Court fight on Clinton emails. Uh, uh, big tech continues to be out of control. I'll talk about that. Uh, plus, uh, we have an election integrity battle I want to tell you about uh, the left pretends that we're not allowed to talk about it anymore, but we're still going to talk about it, and I'll give you an update there. Uh, first up, though, is the uh, continuing anti-constitutional attack on President Trump. The presidential harassment, more or less, continues against the president. The impeachment trial will proceed against him uh, uh, beginning, I think, on February 8th, if I recall. Uh, but... Uh, it's pretty clear that there are not the votes there to convict him. Recall the uh, Pelosi House uh, impeached him uh, for uh, inciting an insurrection. Completely baseless, uh, but uh, they'll do what they can because they can, they've got the votes. Uh, they convinced uh, 10 uh, in Never Trump Republicans to uh, uh, abuse their power, in my view, to uh, target him over uh, core protected speech that did not incite anything, let alone insurrection. But that all being said, it had it moved over to the Senate. They, I thought they might have hold, held it up for a bit, to, uh, but uh, they did move quickly on it uh, with the tacit, tacit and implicit, well, I shouldn't say, with the tacit support of President Biden. Biden, Biden has said the trial has to happen. So Biden's supporting this assault on the presidency. So uh, the big question had been after it was moved over to the Senate or, or around the, the issue of moving it over to the Senate is of course, can you punish an office holder who's no longer in office? Now you may recall, I've highlighted the fact as best I could understand it that they did have jurisdiction over former office holders. Uh, but uh, there was a debate. And I think I think there's an argument on both sides. I tend to, you know, since the Senate decides whether it has jurisdiction or not, I, uh, you know, that, that to me is the test. If the Senate decides whether they have jurisdiction or not, then potentially jurisdiction exists. And to me, it's pretty simple. Uh, but 45 Republicans voted for a motion by Senator Rand Paul uh, to knock, knock it out, saying they didn't have jurisdiction, including Mitch McConnell, the majority leader, who had been playing games saying that he was potentially in favor of uh, convicting President Trump. So uh, now it's done, because if you don't believe the Constitution allows the Senate to have jurisdiction over a former president, then obviously you're not going to vote to convict and uh, allow this a sham impeachment to proceed uh, uh, much further. So now the Democrats and uh, are nervous about having to deal with this at all, since they obviously aren't going to get a conviction. So they're wondering how quickly they can get out of it. But what I found very interesting about this is now 
it's the law of the land, practically speaking, that former office holders can be impeached and then punished through a Senate conviction. Now, what, and now presumably, if the Senate convicts them, uh, they can exercise their prerogative to um, obviously can't remove them from office since they're already removed, but to bar them from any public, uh, any future public office. So now that they did it to Trump, it can be done to Obama. It can be done to Clinton. It can be done to Bill Clinton. I mean, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, <laughs> frankly, any former president, right? It can be done to Comey. It can be done to Brennan. It can be done to Clapper. It can be done to all of the Obamagate figures, Susan Rice, and obviously Joe Biden's president, so he can be impeached. So that, that, that's, that's uh, certainly now on the, on, the, uh, on the table for options. So in the Senate choosing to proceed against President Trump, who no longer is in office, they have confirmed that, Joe, that Barack Obama can be impeached. And uh, so I doubt Republicans are going to do it, but who knows? You know, there, there's a new crop of Republicans, a new crop of conservatives. You know, maybe, maybe they'll actually pursue justice here because justice isn't being pursued by the Justice Department. That's for sure. Today, uh, it was announced, uh, Judge Boasberg, who is an Obama appointee, um, you know, he's not the worst Obama appointee, but he's he's no he's no conservative. <laughs> Let's put it this way. Uh, and he's head of the Pfizer judge, uh, court. And I don't understand why, as head of the Pfizer court, he was handling this case since he's a crime victim in many ways, or his court is. Uh, but Kevin Klein Smith, the FBI uh, lawyer who altered um, material related to the Pfizer warrant targeting Carter Page, Carter Page, uh, the CIA told us FBI official, that Carter Page was essentially an asset and a source. And he changed it completely around, saying that he wasn't, and altered that piece of information. Now, obviously, if he was a source, it would, it should have been A, disclosed to the court, and B, it would have obviously undermined the application itself. So he altered that document, and he was facing, potentially, uh, he pled guilty uh, to the Durham team, and, you know, they screwed that up because, frankly, this case had been handled to them on a silver platter by the IG in late 2019. And only recently it, it was he, um, uh, I guess he pled guilty or, or they came up with a plea deal. But then he shows up in court a few months ago. Well, you know, I'm pleading guilty, but I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do it on purpose. I was under a lot of pressure. I thought it was true. You know, all, all the arguments and excuses. And, you know, that's what defense lawyers make and do. Uh, but um, so Judge Boasberg, long and short of it, uh, rejected prosecutors' requests for a jail sentence. Not even a day will this FBI lawyer, who helped ruin Carter Page's life, undermine Americans' confidence in the fair administration of justice, attack the FISA courts, He's getting a year probation. Prosecutors had sought up to six months, but not one day in jail will this FBI, uh, former FBI official now serve as a result of uh, Obamagate, because this is part of Obamagate. Now, Durham, I don't know what he's doing. I've, I've said I haven't seen any indication um, publicly that 
there's any serious investigation, meaning the big bad guys are being targeted, uh, you kind of see indications of what a serious investigation looks like through grand jury activity, which is hard to hide from the public, another activity. So Durham's missing. Durham's missing. Now, is it possible he ends up prosecuting someone? I doubt it. I guess it is possible, but I doubt it will happen. And I hope I'm wrong. I'm, I'm hoping I can come back here in a month or two weeks or tomorrow or three months and say, hey, look, John Durham, he took too long, but thankfully he did the right thing. In the meantime, all we can expect is a, um, is a report. And as you know, reports don't really do much in this town, especially if uh, you're a, a left-wing anti-Trumper. As uh, others have noted, a senior congressional source told me, I was complaining to them about all these Obama people coming back in who were uh, part of the scandal of unmasking and illicit targeting from Susan Rice to, you know, who knows who. And he pointed out to me, he said, Tom, it's, it's even worse. They're not only coming back, but they're getting a promotion. And indeed, when you have John Brennan talk about targeting conservatives like they're terrorists, why would you expect him to say anything other than that, given the fact that his misconduct in the targeting of Trump, from his perspective, has been ratified by the election of Joe Biden or installation of Joe Biden? I mean, he isn't being held accountable for what he did. Obama wasn't even questioned about it. Biden obviously was never questioned about it. He was involved in the unmasking of Flynn. Never questioned about it. And the only one doing any work now is Judicial Watch. Trying to get, suing in court to get the documents about what really went on. We're not waiting for Durham. We're not going to wait for Durham. Now, as President Trump was leaving office, there was this uh, effort by the president to, uh, at the last minute, declassify or release a whole bunch of documents. Our friend John Solomon at Just the News has been reporting on some of them, but a bunch of them still haven't been released, even though they supposedly have been declassified. I mean, the FBI was opposing, it looks like, and, and the intelligence committees, uh, intelligence uh, state, was, was objecting to virtually anything being declassified. And by what I mean declassified, I, I, I don't mean classified in the sense that there was national security information that was being withheld. They were withholding also what is known as B5. What is B5? It's the deliberative, it's a, it's a term used, a shorthand way of describing a material held under the deliberative process privilege, as I call it, uh, a pre-decisional material. And so FOIA, you think, allows a lot of documents to be released. It does, but not. But the government has abilities to withhold information. And some of the information they withhold is the uh, essentially pre-decisional documents, the back and forth that happens before a decision is made. Now, from our perspective as a FOIA requester, we want all of that, right? Because that's where the good stuff is. The government says, oh, no, you can't do that. It will chill decision-making. So under that theory, uh, they withhold communications with the, um, for instance, they had talking points for the tarmac meeting, proposed talking points. That's B5. We can't get that. That's the Clinton tarmac meeting. 
So what were they planning to say about Loretta Lynch's illicit meeting with Bill Clinton on the tarmac? Trump administration withheld that from us. So this is the challenge we had faced. And ironically, or sadly, it won't change much with the Biden administration. I know you're upset, um, probably, because you know you probably didn't want Joe Biden to be president, right? Many of you, right? But from Judicial Watch's perspective, our work actually increases because we know with bigger, bigger, bigger government and the more programs, there will be more opportunities for corruption. But in terms of our litigation, it doesn't really change in terms of its nature because we were be being obstructed by Trump administration appointees. So the folks he had running these agencies, like Barr and Sessions and Pompeo and all the rest, who you know I may agree with on, a, on things here and there in terms of policy, on transparency, they were a disaster. Well, they were a disaster. And so the Biden administration obviously is, uh, you know, what is it going to change? They're going to tell us we can't get the same documents the Trump people were telling us we couldn't get. Except the big difference is, to President Trump's credit, it's the president. In the case of Joe Biden, I don't know where he is. And I, and I mean that literally. Um, I guess, I don't know, literally or figuratively, I, you could interpret it. But at least President Trump, he knew there was this issue of, of, of secrecy. He tried to get stuff out. He pushed to get stuff out. He was constantly battling the deep state to get stuff out and his own appointees. Do you think that's going to happen with Joe Biden? Of course not. So those are the challenges we face. So, But, you know, we, we've got all these lawsuits against the Biden administration. We're pursuing them as appropriate uh, and uh, to try to get the documents about the worst corruption scandal in American history, which is the illicit targeting and spying on uh, Donald Trump and other innocent Americans like uh, General Flynn. And the folks who are implicated are now back in public office. Joe Biden, Susan Rice, other officials he's appointing at DOJ and other agencies. So we've got a lot of work to do. Uh, so, but on the other hand, we know how to do this. We've been doing this for 25 years at Judicial Watch. I've been at Judicial Watch for about 23 years now. So there's nothing new under the sun in terms of government transparency. It always gets a little bit worse each year, but then we just have to hire more lawyers and you're helping us do that with your support. So uh, thank you for that. So on the impeachment, but getting back to the impeachment issue, you need to let your senators know what you think about the continued abuse of President Trump. He needs to be given all the due process that's due to him under our Constitution and any sense of fair play. Remember, the House uh, impeached him a week after the resolution was introduced. There was no, virtually no debate. There was some debate on the floor, but that was a day of, day of debate as the politicians yelled at each other. But there were no hearings. He was allowed to present no defense, no witnesses, nothing. So the Senate has to ask itself, what is it going to do? Unless it's going to summarily dismiss it and just go through the motions and just say this is enough. Uh, but the president deserves a full due process and uh, he needs to be treated fairly. I think it should be dismissed out of hand, but uh, you, you should share your views with your senators. And I can tell you that your calls, and I'm, I'm sure many of you have paid attention to my, uh, my imploring you to call earlier. 
those calls made a difference. Those senators who refused to even consider uh, a Senate trial for President Trump, many of them did that because they were hearing from you. Uh, so, but there are going to be other battles related to not only this abuse of President Trump, but further abuses of President Trump, believe you me. So you need to let your senators know what you think by calling them at 202-225-3121. It's 202-225-3121. Call your senators. Don't presume they have a view opposed to you. Uh, even if they do, call and let them know your views. It, believe me, Democrats and Republicans love to hear from their constituents because it's a barometer of where voters' interests are, and that's useful material to them, and they make their decisions based in, that, in part on that. In the case of people who are targeting Trump, you know, they hear a lot of noise supporting the targeting. They're going to ratchet up. They hear a lot of noise saying, leave Trump alone. Why are you abusing his First Amendment rights and his rights to due process? They may ease up. So just don't, don't, you know, because you live in California, do not not call your California senators. And if your senator is doing the right thing, thank them for doing the right thing and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm not going to forget this. So those are the sorts of things you should be doing. In addition to supporting Judicial Watch, you should be doing your own personal activism. Every day you should be thinking, huh, what can I do to advance freedom, protect liberty, vindicate the Constitution? Who, who can I communicate with? What elected officials out there I should be educating about material maybe Judicial Watch has found? What letter to the editor can I be writing? What can I be posting on Facebook, assuming you're allowed to post on Facebook? You know, what, what it is, you know, that's, that's, you've got, in my view, um, you know, you, you've got to be vigilant, just as, you know, you support Judicial Watch, it's an excellent way to be vigilant. But there are other things that you can do as an individual citizen, like simply calling your senator to let them know what you think about trying to outlaw political speech by uh, pretending that complaining about election integrity is the same as inciting violence. These are dangerous times we live in, in terms of threats to our civil liberties. And, and I, I would encourage everyone listening to make a stamp. So the leftist controlling big tech have big tech, excuse me, have this comprehensive are comprehensively attacking free speech. And, um, you know, I've set up on Telegram. I've got, I think it's Tom Fitton, JW on Telegram, uh, real Tom Fitton on Facebook. I'm blocked out of Twitter. Hopefully I'll get back on because I want to be able to communicate with people. And of course, Judicial Watch has Instagram and I do too. And then there's Facebook and YouTube. So we're all over and we've got our website at judicialwatch.org. But I fear that Judicial Watch will be deplatformed from many of these social media platforms unfairly and outrageously and, in my view, fraudulently. Uh, but until then, so I would prepare for that. And one way to prepare for that is to go to our website and share your email with us and share your uh, mailing address with us. And that way we can communicate with you directly. We just have to be able to communicate. So those are the dangers we face. And, you know, it's, and, and you can see even this week, because this is reminding me of the big tech suppression with this whole Wall Street um, uh, controversy over this GameStop stock. So as you've been following or you may have been following, 
you have these uh, major Wall Street firms, and it's been, I guess, publicly known that they've been betting against big companies uh, that their stocks will fall, shorting it, it's called. And one of the companies that were on their target list was GameStop. And there's this subreddit forum. Reddit is another company that is uh, famous for censoring conservatives on its platform. I've been censored there repeatedly. Uh, it's called a Wall Street Bets. And they do day, you know, it's a, it's a forum where day traders and just individual investors get together, retail investors it's called. And they all decided uh, that they were going to start uh, buying up games, GameStop shares and other companies being targeted. I think AMC was also on the list, AMC, the big movie chain. And so as a result, the shares of GameStop and AMC skyrocketed. I mean, at least I think uh, GameStop went up to as high as $400 a share. And so a lot of those big companies that had bet on the stock cratering or uh, short being shorted, uh, they lost a lot of money. So the response was how terrible it was these retail investors played the stock market. Honestly, legally and ethically. And uh, so there's this big app called Robinhood that day traders and individual investors use. They, they advertise themselves as being, you know, democratizing the stock market. They stopped trading related to GameStop. So they interfered with people's ability to save to save themselves from losing money or gaining money. Outrageous. Doesn't that sound like Twitter? You're doing something the establishment doesn't like, and they step in and step on you. So the GameStop scandal, and it is a scandal, the suppression of retail investors, because they did something that the... Uh, Wall Street types didn't like. And let me be clear, you know, GameStop went up not because it was probably valuable. It went up because some folks wanted to make a point. But the stock market allows you to do that. And the law allows you to do that. Sure enough, the Biden administration said they were looking at it. And... Uh, so now uh, those who are um, trying to make a buck in light of the short sellers on Wall Street are being smeared as racists and white supremacists and Trump supporters. It's crazy town. You do anything that the establishment doesn't like, you are going to be tarred and feathered and be essentially called a criminal who should be banned for doing anything. Free speech and now stock trade. Now I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not, I'm not a day trader. I don't I don't have any stock advice for you. But Judicial Watch is investigating what went on here. I mean, the Treasury Secretary Yellen, you know, I, I you know, she kind of waltzed through the Senate hearings. The Republicans made not a noise about her. I mean, this woman made seven million dollars in speaking fees from Wall Street firms after she left the Federal Reserve. Why do you think they gave her all that money? Because she's brilliant? No, you know why they gave him the money. The same, the same reason they gave Bill Clinton all that money. For his speaking fees. 
So, you know, this is, you know, the corruptocrats, and I don't mean corruptocrats meaning Democrat. I'm meaning it's a bipartisan, nonpartisan term. And, uh, and, and the Senate didn't want to do anything about it. So when you're calling your senators about impeachment, let them know what you think about their failure uh, to uh, vet seriously and hold accountable the Biden officials that are coming before them. So this Wall Street bets, this GameStop scandal, it's all part of the piece. It's all part of the piece. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's just a pattern of conduct. When you do something that the political class and 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 or the uh, you know who's ever controlling the conversation, none of them are liberal. None of them are conservative. I mean, big business isn't conservative. They may have on specific uh, issues be more conservative on economic issues, but not all of them. On cultural issues and sort of the populist issues, they're not they're not conservative or populist. I mean, just look at the widespread corporate support for the anti-American, um, you know, neo-Marxist uh, organizations behind the Black Lives Matter movement, and you know, the corporations support that. You know, one of the things about being conservative is being a truth teller. And corporations um, are, when they're dealing with the government, uh, it's it's hard to tell whether the, whether it's bribery or extortion or both. And and, and it's an unholy, an unholy mess. So the targeting of retail investors, meaning you, if you wanted to start trading on GameStop, you would have to be nervous about it because who knows what's going to happen. Maybe they'll just come and pull the plug on your ability to trade. Let's say you're exposed and you want to get out before you lose too much money. The way Robinhood act, acted yesterday, this big app, they prevented you from doing that. I mean, but that may even be illegal. I don't know. So Judicial Watch is going to be doing Freedom of Information Act requests to Treasury and the Securities Exchange Commission to figure out if this suppression of retail investors, how it happened and whether it was corrupted or not. Because you'll see a lot of press on it, but they won't ask questions. They don't want to ask the Biden administration any tough questions. Jennifer Psaki, who, um, who is a... Um, uh, President Biden's new spokesman at the White House, she was asked about this the other day, and her response was, you know, I'm just happy yelling as a woman. Who cares if she's a woman? She's Treasury Secretary. The question is, what did she do as Treasury Secretary? And what is she going to do as Treasury Secretary? As, as individual citizens, who want to participate in the stock market have their actions restricted because better connected firms don't like their activities. Now, you know what? Those individual citizens, they could lose all their wealth in the stock market, right? They're going to be protected, right? That's the left and the big, big establishments. We need to protect people from themselves.
Do you feel like you need to be protected for yourself? I trust you. I trust you to make judgments about your own money, whether they're risky or not in the stock market. But government doesn't trust you. So we're asking government, we're asking the Biden administration about what they were doing with this GameStop scandal. So again, that's what I love about Judicial Watch. We always know what to do when there's an issue like this, which is, you know, the easy answer is transparency. Figure out what the government's up to. So the other big issue, which we haven't forgotten, is the Clinton email scandal. Oh, I know we're not allowed to talk about Clinton emails. It's too far. We've it's been too long, right? That's old news. I don't know about you, but I don't think it's old news. I think it's always big news when a senior government official blows up the Freedom of Information Act, uh, engages in what is clearly criminal conduct, the investigation of which has been compromised by the corrupt FBI and Justice Department. Frankly, her emails, now we're finding what we've always been telling you, uh, confirmation that she made up the Russiagate smears to distract. And hopefully avoid the consequences of her email games. And influence peddling and other things that were uncovered as a result of Judicial Watch uncovering her email scandal. And Judge Royce Lamberth, who is a federal court judge who was handling the Benghazi case that led to the discovery of her emails by Judicial Watch, he was upset that he was being gamed by the State Department, maybe the Justice Department. And appropriately, he thought Hillary Clinton should answer some questions in person under oath about her emails and the Benghazi attack documents, which is what about this case is all about. So what has happened? Uh, Hillary Clinton uh, used uh, a mandamus action, it's called. You lawyers will know what it is. I'm not a lawyer, but you know what I mean. Meaning she short-circuited the appeals process that normally would be available to a witness who didn't want to testify and went straight to the appellate court. And of course, the appellate court here in the District of Columbia, which is controlled by appointees not of sympathetic to Judicial Watch, to put it charitably, gave her a pass, told her that she didn't need to testify and allowed her to use mandamus, which is typically only available to parties. She's not what she wasn't a party in the traditional sense. She was a witness. Typically, if you don't want to testify, you go into contempt and you appeal it. And not only did they let her out that way, but they said the court has no business asking questions about how this happened, that you could have a senior government official take 60,000 emails away, delete 30,000 of them. You have the agencies lie through their teeth about it and continuing to lie. And the court has no equitable interest in figuring out what went on there. FOIA doesn't allow it. Talk about blowing up FOIA if that's allowed to continue. And so that's why Judicial Watch this week asked the Supreme Court to overturn that terrible appellate court ruling. And I encourage you to read it in terms of how it describes how Hillary Clinton was given special treatment by the court through this mandamus action. Extraordinary relief. Remember, Michael J. Flynn, General Flynn, he sought mandamus action against Judge Sullivan for keeping his case alive after the government asked to be dismissed. 
And that same court said, you can't use that. That's an emergency motion. That's extraordinary relief. He was facing jail time. Hillary Clinton was facing testimony. They said, oh, you can use it. You can use, don't worry. You can use this extraordinary relief that contemporaneously we were denying to General Flynn, who's facing criminal cases. It's, it's outrageous, isn't it? Really outrageous. And we told the Supreme Court about that. So the brief, you know, I don't know. Supreme Court is, uh, you know, only hears a small portion of requests. Uh, they're called cert petitions in the informal way. But we put it on record what we thought here and what the court ought to do. We argued that the appellate decision allowed um, uh, dramatically undermines the Freedom of Information Act. In effect, <clears throat> excuse me, it eliminates any discovery into the actions of agency officials or employees other than FOIA officers walling off from any inquiry officials or employees who may be less than honest with FOIA officers who might seek to conceal agency records from FOIA officers to prevent disclosure to the public. Especially important that this misapplication of longstanding precedent be corrected because the DC Circuit's far-reaching decision will nullify the citizens' right to be informed about what their government is up to. And for all intents and purposes, it will eradicate district court's role as the enforcement arm as of FOIA as Congress intended. And as I said in our release, I'm going to quote myself, it's rather than trying to remember what I said, I'm going to just read what I said because it's probably better than what I can remember. No court should undermine the Freedom of Information Act and the rule of law by giving Hillary Clinton special protection from having to testify about her emails. The Supreme Court should cast politics aside and affirm that Hillary Clinton is not above the law is not above the law. So I don't know what's going to happen next. Maybe Hillary Clinton's lawyers will come in and object. And I don't know, uh, the Biden administration is probably going to take the same position as the Trump administration, which right now, the Trump administration, by the way, just a few, about a month or so ago, two months ago, was trying to shut down all of our Clinton cases. So what is the Biden administration going to do? Anything worse? I doubt it. So think about that when you you know, hear people uh, praising Bob Barr and the establishment. That's what we were facing from the Justice Department and the State Department. So we'll see what the court does. Uh, you can go to our website to read the full brief. I encourage you to read it and share it. You know, and it's also about Benghazi. We're not allowed to talk about Benghazi anymore. Susan Rice is back in the White House domestic policy advisor. She was involved in Spygate, Obamagate, and Benghazi-gate. She lied five times to Sunday morning, on the Sunday morning talk shows about Benghazi being tied to a video as opposed to a terrorist attack, which they all knew from the get-go. And she gets rewarded. So this is, this is how corrupt the city is. You fail, you get rewarded. You commit crimes, you get rewarded. Now, only if you're on the left side of the aisle, of course. But often, who on the right? What you would think would bar you from employment in another sector? It's no hurdle here in Washington, D.C. It's no hurdle here in Washington, D.C. 
So, the issue of government uh, of the election integrity. You know, in a, I hope there is a Senate trial in the sense that these issues come up again. I really do. They want to relitigate the elections. But one of the issues that's ongoing is how are we going to secure elections going forward? And do we want mail-in balloting? Do we want ballot harvesting and all of that? Well, Arizona had election integrity laws that were challenged by the Democratic National Committee, represented by the law firm behind the Russiagate dossier targeting and smearing President Trump. That big lie. And so that firm was behind all these challenges to make it easier to vote by mail, undermining the security of the elections. And uh, in Arizona, they were chart they were challenging um, election integrity reforms that would have essentially prohibited ballot harvesting and out of precinct voting. Now, ballot harvesting is allowing a third party to go around collecting ballots and delivering them. I don't think I need to tell you why that's problematic in terms of election security. Out of, seat, out of precinct voting, it's a little bit more complicated. So imagine you are in a jurisdiction. Uh, let's say you're in, uh, uh, you live in the Bronx and you go to Albany to vote. That's out of precinct voting. And if that happens, typically, you either can't vote or you have to file a provisional ballot. You, you know, that obviously when you have people showing up in places that are not supposed to be to vote, that undermines the effort to keep elections secure. And the left, for reasons I think that are obvious, opposes secure elections or reasonable security measures for secure, uh, for cleaner elections. And so there's a big battle in Arizona. The lower court upheld it upheld the measures. Um, then, of course, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, which is notoriously liberal, um, overturned that decision. And so now it's before the Supreme Court and Judicial Watch filed an amicus brief, which are with our friends at the Allied Educational Foundation uh, to, um, you know, asking the Supreme Court to uphold Arizona's electoral laws. And their theory is that the Voting Rights Act, which is a, a, a federal law, longstanding federal law that protects the rights of citizens to vote, particularly minorities, is implicated in election security matters like this. They allege that there's a disparate impact on minorities and therefore the law should be thrown out. And alleging a disparate impact and whether a disparate impact is enough to throw out a law is a different matter. Now, what do I mean by disparate impact? It doesn't mean that the law necessarily was purposely designed to target someone by race. If it has the ancillary effect of disproportionately affecting a particular protected class, that's a disparate impact. And they think that's enough to throw a law out, even though the law on its face is neutral. Well, A, there's no evidence that there's a disparate impact on minorities. And B, in my view, that's the wrong standard. But courts ask whether the evidence indicates that the challenged voting procedures have caused minority voters to have less opportunity to participate in the political process and to elect representatives of their choice. Respondents utterly failed to adduce any evidence that satisfied this requirement of causation, that the challenged voting procedure caused minorities to have opportunity, less opportunity to participate 
in the political process and elect representatives of their choice. So it's a scam. They're playing the race card. There's no foundation behind it. The phrase the left likes, they're making allegations without baseless, without basis. Baseless allegations. You know, and as I highlighted, the case highlights how leftist partisans would misuse civil rights laws to undermine election integrity measures, such as ballot harvesting, which is a menace to free and fair elections. So I hope you're able to see this video because I'm talking about things big tech doesn't want you to talk about. You're not allowed to complain about these policies and procedures anymore. You're not allowed to raise questions about how elections are being run. But we're gonna keep on our litigation. We filed this brief. We've got lawsuits continuing to clean up election rolls in North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Colorado. In all of those states where you're being opposed by secretaries of state and the radical left. The same groups that were um, uh, uh, targeting uh, election security measures in 2020 are trying to stop us in our cases. We're literally in court against them. I mean, it's not just Judicial Watch against the state. It's Judicial Watch versus the state and the entire organized left. But because I know you're behind us, and I know we have the support of tens of millions of Americans, I don't see it as David versus Goliath. I see it as Goliath versus Goliath. So I'm confident in our ability to win. But our elections are under assault in terms of their integrity. You know, vote by mail, if, you, if your state has voter ID, for instance, right? And, but you also have millions of people voting by mail. I think in all but two states, you don't need voter ID to vote by mail. So that, that security measures out the window with vote by mail. Did you know that? I mean, that's just one example. And it's a big one because of the huge numbers of folks who voted by mail this last election. It's a less secure way to vote in terms of assuring that someone is voting who says who, who it is that say, they say they are. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's a less secure way of uh, making uh, sure that the person voting is who the person says he is or she is, right? So again, I don't know if I'm allowed even to say that, but I'm going to say it because it's the truth. And as I said, this is why you need to keep track of Judicial Watch directly through our website, communicate with us through the mail, our newsletter, tells you these truths. It's a written newsletter. It goes out to a million people. Did you know that? Judicial Watch is one of the largest, most effective groups in the country on the conservative side of the aisle. And I say conservative, but you know, do liberals oppose transparency? Are they in favor of corruption? Are they in favor of compromised elections? I don't know. I don't think that's necessarily conservative. So with that, have a good weekend. We'll be here next week with the Judicial Watch update. We've got a lot of new material coming out, uh, new lawsuits, uh, new documents. So, uh, you know, we're going to be the only game in town holding the Biden administration accountable under law, practically speaking. So 
you can trust Judicial Watch to keep up the heavy lifting. And again, I hope to have your support in doing so. I'll see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.